hey, you want to be a national champion this year? There's data to suggest that we've already got an idea of who can win it and who cannot. And oh, by the way, Andy Patton, there's one Big 12 team on the outside looking in that might shock you. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. This is my guy, Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade. We're your co-hosts, and we want to welcome you in where you get your college basketball content every single day. Big, a special welcome to you everydayers. We're so glad you're here with us. want to also invite all of you, everydayer or not, to come join us in the Locked On College Basketball Discord community. Man, it's a free community. The link is in the show notes. We're hanging out, talking college basketball all week long. We'd love to have you in there this weekend with us, where we'll be talking about all the great action. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. All right, coming up on the show today, we're at that point in the season where multiple conferences were seeing separation. We've got at least four conferences with first place implication games on the line. Going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get you our weekend primer where there's just a whole slew of games. But Andy, first, this is super interesting. So historically, every national champion in the Ken Palm era, which by the way, Ken Palm started in the 1998-99 season. Every one of these national champions has met certain criteria in terms of final defensive efficiency or offensive efficiency. And Andy, I indicate final and I just put that in bold lights because obviously we are nowhere near final right now. We're just looking at snapshots in time and obviously teams can move up or down in these efficiencies. But right now we already are starting to get a good idea of who could win the national championship and who could not because Andy. There are 24 national champions in the Ken Palm era. All 24 of them have finished top 22 in defensive efficiency. 21 of the 24 have finished in the top 10 of Ken Palm offensive efficiency. The three outliers being 17th, 19th, and 39th. Andy, just for quick reference, those three teams, if anyone's wondering, that were a little smaller. Syracuse was 17th in 03, and two of the UConn teams, you probably guessed that, yeah. the 11 team finished 19th, and the uh, 14 team finished 39th. So, Andy, we're going to take a tiered approach look today at some teams that are in great shape in both offensive and defensive efficiency, some teams that are in that outlier category offensively, some teams that have work to do on offense or defense and one very shocking team that fits none of this criteria right now, but obviously still has plenty of time to rise up into it. So Andy, I want to give you the first tier. These tier, these three teams that I'm going to give you are in great shape in both offensive and defensive efficiency in terms of falling within these Ken Palm thresholds. So here we go. Only two teams right now in the top 10 in both. That's Arizona, who is eighth in offensive, fifth in defensive. Auburn, who is 10th and 6th, and then Purdue, who is number one right now as we record an offensive efficiency in 13th in defensive efficiency. So again, folks, remember, top 10 in offense is what we're looking for. Top 22 in defense is what we're looking for. Andy, of those three teams, who stands out to you as the most capable and most likely to be the last team standing in Arizona? Phoenix. 
Purdue. I, it's Purdue for me, and and I know people will reference what happened to them last year. They lost to a 16 seed. Interestingly, Arizona, one of the other teams on here, also lost to a 15 seed last year. So certainly two teams kind of hoping to exercise some of those demons from last year's NCAA tournament. But at Purdue, I know they have a couple of bad losses in the Big Ten, but they are when they are. Uh, playing their best. They are really, really difficult to stop Zach Eady. Such an incredibly impactful player on both ends of the ball, but those sophomore guards taking that leap as we expected them to do has really been a huge benefit for the Boilermakers. I'm not surprised to see Arizona on this list either. I don't think they maybe get enough attention for their defense. Uh, certainly some of their bad games have been quite poor defensively. I think they gave up a, a hundred to Stanford. That's the kind of thing that you do. You play that like that on defense, the NCAA tournament, you're going to be going home pretty early, but those two teams definitely stand out to me as, as legitimate title contenders. Auburn, I think we still need to see improve it. We talked about this uh, on Wednesday's episode right. of, or excuse me, on Thursday's Thursday, episode yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of Locked On College Basketball. And, and and I think they, they're they there in the sense that, I mean, I don't think these numbers are wrong necessarily, but I still want to see what they can do against some better opponents. And again, not their fault USC has stumbled, not their fault Indiana has yeah, stumbled, right. uh, but that's still a team that I think that they have the talent on the roster. They have the coaching staff to potentially put them in a conversation as a final four national championship contender, but they have a little bit more work to do to prove it than I think these other two programs do. Yeah, that's absolutely right. They've got upcoming games with both Mississippi schools and the SEC, but the big one um, coming up in about uh, a week or uh, excuse me, about a week and a half is hosting Alabama at home, that return game. Andy, I'm right with you. I think uh, Purdue, like if I tiered these three teams within tier one, I'd go Purdue, Arizona, Auburn um, Mm -hmm. in terms of most likely. Uh, Let's keep this train moving. By the way, folks, we'd love to hear your thoughts on all these tiers and where you think teams are at. But Andy, Mm -hmm. tier two, these are what we're calling the just missed it's or the outliers because the defense is within the threshold, but the offense is just outside that top 10. So it's Houston, 15 and one Tennessee, 19 and two North Carolina, 16th in offense, four in defense and BYU 12th in offense, 22nd in defense. So it's interesting. All four of these teams just missed that the, uh, the top 10 offense, but they all fall in that outlier category category Mm -hmm. that we looked at, um, of those four teams, Andy, who do you think is the most likely that could maybe move up into tier one or could really, really win a national championship? I think it's, I, I was kind of debating in my head. I knew that was the question coming. And I was like, I mean, there's three teams that I think is the reasonable answer with no disrespect to BYU. I don't think that they're, they feel <laughs> like a bit BYU of an outlier the, yeah. within this outlier yeah. conversation. Yeah. They're just, you know, they haven't quite proven it against quality competition. I think they're much, much better than many people expected them to be, but the Ken Palm data for them has continued to kind of rank them a lot higher than I think the actual perception for that team might be. But uh, I'm almost inclined, if we're talking about who's most likely to move into tier one, I'm inclined to say North Carolina. They're 16th in offense, fourth in defense. I think they're going to maintain that ranking defensively or at least stay in that top 10. They've played really, really good defense this year. Big shout out to Hubert Davis, uh, not only for implementing a defense that fits the personnel, but for getting the kind of personnel in the transfer portal this offseason that I think fits around the talent that they already had. Uh, and I think offensively, this is a team that hasn't at, at times played to their potential, whereas Houston, I think, is a great offensive team at times, but we have seen them really struggle at times as well. And they're really dependent on Jamal Shedd and LJ Cryer. And, and Tennessee, I think, is really dependent and, on... And Emmanuel Sharp, to a lesser degree, let me say. 
Yeah, yes, true. Um, and, and Tennessee really depended on Dalton Connect. Obviously, they have other talented players on that roster, but Carolina feels a little bit more balanced. You know, obviously, R.J. Davis, huge, huge piece for them, but Cormac Ryan hasn't quite played to his potential. Harrison Ingram can can play really well at times. Of course, they have Armando Baycott, so I just feel like they have enough variety in how they can score that they are more likely to move into that top 10 conversation. They're playing a less challenging schedule the rest of the way than both Tennessee and Houston just because the ACC is down this year but I think they're probably the best team out of this group and the most likely to to be in that top 10 but I think all three of these teams are legitimate national title contenders with the way they have played up to this point this season yeah BYU to me has the most variability because uh, they can shoot themselves into or or out of a game just because they just Mm -hmm. jack up so many threes whereas Houston Tennessee and North Carolina all have greater consistency with how they play completely agree with your assessment that North Carolina is the most balanced offensively and so all things being equal pretty much defensively with those three teams which are all top four in defensive efficiency North Carolina is the best offense so Andy the next uh two groups of teams tier 3a work to do on defense tier 3b work to do on offense so the teams that need some defensive help UConn, Kentucky, Baylor, Wisconsin, Alabama, Duke, and FAU. I'm not going to rattle off all the numbers, but just know these seven teams are all top 11 offensively and very not top 22 defensively. So, Andy, um, out of these, which do you see having the most capability to improve what they're doing defensively and, and move up a tier? I think it has to be UConn. Uh, I mean, obviously they've missed Donovan Klingon for huge chunks of the season. He's healthy now. I think that makes a massive, massive difference. Kentucky got themselves a difference maker potentially as well in Zivonimir Visich. I don't think that he is as capable of impacting Kentucky defensively as Donovan Klingon. And also UConn is 28th in defense. So their ability to move into the top 22 is much easier than Kentucky, who is 97th. As we record this right now, they're just not they're not a good defensive team and they might be able to get to work themselves much, much, much closer. And if they're in the top 30 or top 40, by the time the tournament rolls around and they just clamp up, they could move into that conversation and have a big run. But to me, it's UConn and it's really not that close. Duke is Duke and Kentucky are the next two best teams. I think in this group, Baylor's right around there as well. Uh, But UConn's the only one that I think could actually get into this tier and is the one that's most likely to, to be the national champion. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about on Wednesday's show, just even in points allowed and points scored, Kentucky's number one in the – or were before uh, that mm-hmm. game the other day at South Carolina in points scored and yeah. number like 312 in points allowed. So, Andy, it's just – even if they grew by 50 in defensive efficiency, they're still way outside it. I yeah. agree with your assessment. Let's flip it really quick. Go to the offense. These are teams that are ranking within the threshold of the top 22 defensively but are not – offensively with one that is way, way outside it. Andy, these teams are Iowa State, Virginia, Creighton, Marquette. Hmm, both of those are interesting. Michigan Mm -hmm. State and uh, the reigning national runner-up, San Diego State Aztecs. Yeah, Creighton and Marquette are almost identical, which is fascinating to me. As we record right now, Creighton's 33rd and 14th, whereas Marquette is 35th and 15th, both teams that I think we thought were better offensively than defensively, just in terms of roster construction. That Creighton team, obviously, tons of shooters, tons of talent. Marquette, Shaka Smart, they've always been pretty offensively focused. But both those teams have been playing much better as of late. I think they can both move up into that top 20, maybe top 10 offensively, at least top 20 for sure. Uh, But the rest of this group doesn't inspire a ton of confidence in me in terms of national championship contention. Like, I don't know that I would 
pick any of these teams realistically. Creighton and Marquette are probably the two best 100%. out of this group, but I, I don't think it. this is not a group of teams that I really think is Final Four National Championship worthy at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would probably at this point, it would be between Iowa State and Michigan State for third on this yeah. list for yeah. me. Andy, we got to go to the, sh- the the shocker of this whole thing because that's that's what's wild to me. There is a Big 12 national champion potentially caliber team that that a lot of people would think that doesn't make the cut on either offense or defense. Now, to be fair, they are not way, 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 way out of this thing. This team is 29th in offensive efficiency and 24th in defensive efficiency. I hope folks are guessing right now in their head. It's a rock shock. It's a rock shock because it's the Kansas Jayhawks. So, Andy, can Kansas move up in offensive and defensive efficiency? I mean, they're still top 30 in both. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's, they're still in a, in a good spot. Ken Baum has not really valued the Jayhawks very much this All year. They season, always yeah. seem to be kind of surprisingly lower than many people would have them. Uh, I, I believe in this team. We've talked a lot about the shooting guard woes for Kansas. They seem to have alleviated that issue with the the development of Johnny Furphy. Uh, I think this team, yeah, I think this team has some serious growth to potentially be done, uh, and they get a really good schedule the rest of the way being in the Big 12. So I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they're top 20 in both categories. Can they climb from 29 all the way to top 10 on offense? That's the question. And and honestly, it's it's not easy, but they have the talent on the roster to, I think, do it. So I while this team is out of both right now, they're definitely still a team that I think can be in that national championship conversation. Well, and what's interesting is their offensive efficiency is within that outlier of that yeah. that lowest um, UConn team. Their defense is only two spots behind the right. defensive thing. So it uh, clearly, it's not going to take much for them to move up. Uh, they can get there. Well, Isaac, first place is on the line in a handful of key college basketball conferences this week and this weekend. We're going to discuss those matchups coming up. But first, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Game Time. Folks, the big game is coming up and it is in Las Vegas. And what could you do with a hundred extra dollars in Las Vegas? Well, you could go to Legacy Stadium and get yourself some incredible food, watch some incredible basketball on all their big screen TVs. Game Time. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, all users get $100 off when not, they buy a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, GameTime has exactly what you need. And folks should not have to worry when they're buying tickets to your next big event. And thankfully, GameTime, well, they got you covered. Because Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. Terms do apply. Just download the Game Time app, use code VEGAS100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not planning to go to the game, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Well, Isaac, we got a handful of conference conference games that are going to determine first place in those conferences going forward, including the Mountain West. Let's get right into it. Utah State going on the road to take on Leon Rice and the Broncos of Boise State. This game is on Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Mountain West games are frequently difficult to find on TV. This one's going to be on the Mountain West Network. For those of you who have it, you can find it there. Boise State favored by one. And this has been kind of something that I thought was going to happen uh, in the Mountain West is when we kind of got into conference play. There was San Diego State. There was Utah State, Colorado State, New Mexico, Nevada were kind of the teams getting the majority of the attention. But 
never felt to me like Boise State was truly sixth in the conference. Like they just, they're a really good team. They've always played really well coming into conference play. I think I don't have the number right in front of me, but Leon Rice has lost like three games in January in the last four years, like some obscenely ridiculous stat in the month of January. And guess what? Here they are in contention to potentially be in first place at the end of the month of January. This team is really good. Utah State has been playing some great basketball all year long. Uh, I'm not sure if either of these teams are actually even going to be the team that finishes in first place in the Mountain West at the end of the year. It's really bunched up at the top uh, with San Diego State and Colorado State, of course, still in that conversation. Nevada picked up a big win uh, on Wednesday evening against um uh, who, who did Nevada? Colorado State. Oh, yeah. Colorado State, State in yes. that one. So a lot of cannibalism going on in the Mountain West. This is another opportunity for Leon Rice and the Broncos to potentially pick off the Aggies here and, and maintain sole possession of first place and, and put themselves much more seriously in the conversation as an at-large team. Yeah, man. Utah State has been playing great, Andy. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ah, there you go. Nice. In fact, Ken Palm, uh, great Osborne is just behind Jaden Ledee for uh, Mountain West Player of the Year. That's great stuff. You love to see it. Um, and as you said, man, it's just tough to know how this conference is going to shake out at the end of the season right now as we record San Diego State is just a half game behind them. New Mexico is just a half game behind them. But then it drops off after that. So at least right now, we're looking at Utah State, Boise State, San Diego State, or New Mexico as as a potential number one team. Uh, Honestly, Andy, I I wouldn't be surprised if Utah State is the team that's able to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we do get a rematch of this one. You know, this game's obviously in Idaho, and then they're back um, in Utah on February 10th, so just a couple Saturdays away. Going to be really interesting. What about the Pac-12? Let's stay out on the West Coast. Uh, the Arizona schools are all the way up in Oregon this weekend. Uh, and to be candid, behind the scenes, we're recording this before we know the results of Thursday night's games when Arizona is at Oregon State and Arizona State's at Oregon. Um, so uh, we expect, though, that probably Arizona and Oregon should both win on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. And then that means that Saturday we'll get number nine, Arizona at Oregon, 530 Eastern on Fox. Right now, the line is uh, at Ken Palm is Arizona minus seven, Andy. And we've got Pac-12 first placeness on the line. Uh, This one feels a little more clear cut to me as we look at the Pac-12 standings than the Mountain West that probably one of these teams is going to finish atop the league standings. Yeah, I think Oregon's a team that hasn't gotten a ton of love from like an AP poll perspective. Mm-hmm. They haven't gotten a ton of love in, in our rankings necessarily. And uh, they've also dealt with a lot of injuries. And probably Dante was out for a huge chunk of the season. Nate Biddle was out for a huge chunk of the season as well. Mookie Cook only recently returned to the lineup for them. I think he's now suffered another injury. I'm not sure what his status is going to look like for this Arizona game. But uh, when this team's at full health, which they just haven't had a lot of opportunities to be, they're really good. And Arizona has historically really struggled at Matthew Knight Arena where the Ducks play. And I would not be surprised uh, if Oregon, who really needs a a emphatic win, they need something to kind of make their resume pop. This is the kind of game that would do it for them. If they pull off a victory here, uh, I think they start to get some of that top 25 buzz. And if they're, I mean, if you're in February and you're in first place in the Pac-12 over Arizona, like, yes, the rest of the conference has been weak and Colorado and Utah haven't really stepped up the way people expected them to do. Certainly USC and UC and UCLA are just way outside of the conversation right now, but Oregon deserves some love. And and this is an opportunity for them to really kind of cement themselves as a, Hey, we're not just a fringe. Maybe we make the NCAA tournament team. Like we're a real power and we're a team that can win this conference and win the automatic qualifier and, and potentially get themselves a seed. That's, you know, a single digits. 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing with with Oregon is they lost both their games last weekend on the road at Colorado and Utah. Yeah, but them. if they can win both games this weekend, they're mm-hmm. on the road at the LA schools next weekend, and that should put them in prime position yeah. uh, there. And then, you know, I mentioned it seems pretty clear cut that it's these two teams at the top. But mm-hmm. with Colorado back healthy again, I think that is a third team that could challenge. Andy, the other uh, first place implications on Saturday that we just want to mention here is number 16, Dayton. At Richmond, both of these teams, Andy, come into the game 6-0 and in yeah. A-10 play. This game is at 6 Eastern, so uh, just tipping half an hour after that Pac-12 game on CBS Sports Network. The line is Dayton minus 3 at Ken Palm. Uh, yeah. I mean, where, where are you at on this one? Yeah, fun matchup here. Uh, A-10 hasn't gotten as much love this year. I, I think there's a lot of expectation that they could kind of get back to being a two-bid uh, conference. Not sure that that's going to shake out. It's in, barring a, a upset of Dayton in the A-10 tournament, which of course could happen. You never know. Uh, but Richmond is a very good team that's that's not getting a lot of respect or love. They're 6-0, and like you said, in the conference. And I expect Dayton to win this one, but this is the toughest game they might play in the entire conference going on the road here. And, and Deron Holmes is going to have to have a monster game for the Flyers if he's able to and do he- Will. <laughs> which he, he rarely doesn't. He's an absolute beast. But I think this is going to be a really kind of sneaky, fun mid-major game and and one that could have some serious implications. Uh, certainly if Dayton goes and wins big, uh, that kind of shows their level in the A-10. But Richmond is more than capable of winning this game. And I think at that point, they'll start to command a little bit more respect. And certainly I, I think the, the narrative will probably be, oh, Dayton's now going to you know fall out of the top 25 or you know drop significantly. But I think that the Hopefully there's some focus on Richmond if they do pull off a victory here because they're they're a good team. Yeah, it's a helpful eyeball game in terms of uh, the selection committee sure. watching it. By the way, Dayton, after Samford lost earlier in the week, is now the owner of the nation's longest winning streak at 13. Right behind them, McNeese State. What up, Will Wade, yeah. with 12 straight. Andy, there's a lot of great other action this weekend. Kansas. Auburn, Kentucky, Carolina, all on the road. We know what that narrative has been like this weekend. Who's going to be coming into next week unscathed? We'll discuss that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are rolling. We got the conference championship games this weekend, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is very easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like Live same-game parlays, bets in the new Explore tab. You can make any parlay there in the Parlay Hub. Or how about national championship odds? We were talking about that earlier in the show. Right now, Purdue plus 750. UConn and Houston tied at plus 1,000. Arizona right behind at plus 1,100. North Carolina plus 1,300. And then Tennessee rounds out those top six teams at plus 1,500. So if you want to get in on that action, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Andy, weekend primer time. Let's look ahead. As it's been lately, there's really just kind of one game of note on Friday. I think there's like only eight total Division yeah. One games on Friday night, but there's one Big Ten game. It's Michigan State at number 13 with Wisconsin. That's when you go with Wisconsin somewhere. Uh, Wisconsin, this game is an eight Eastern tip on FS1. Uh, we actually have a FanDuel line for this one. It is the Badgers minus three and a half. Andy, this feels to me like a really, really interesting game. Can Izzo's crew go to Madison and and knock off the Badgers? 
Yeah, absolutely. Wisconsin is vulnerable, I think. I mean, we've seen them lose to Penn State. We saw them narrowly escape with a win over Minnesota. Like, I think this Wisconsin team is good. Don't get me wrong, but Tom Izzo's team, they play better as the year goes on. That's always been the case. Uh, They've really started off in a challenging spot, obviously, early in the year. But I think that they're with the way that they've been playing lately, with the way Wisconsin's been playing lately, I think this is a, an absolutely a, a game that Wisconsin could lose and that M- Michigan State could pick up some ground and kind of uh, some momentum going forward. But uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a close one. I think I think it's going to be a really good game. Well, and if Michigan State can pull it off, that'd be four in a row. But after that, they get Michigan, Maryland, Minnesota. So Ooh. it could be a big old streak yep. for uh, the the fighting Izzos. Adder, <laughs> Andy, let's move to Saturday. I want to give you, man, Saturdays in the Big 12, dude, are like yep. American Gladiators new edition. Uh, <laughs> here's five Big 12 games I want to mention to you. And then I want to see what you're most interested in. K-State at number four, Houston, noon on ESPN. How about this? Ken Palm line, Houston minus 17, Andy. That's, that's too much. Uh, next, number seven, Kansas at number 23, Iowa State, 130 on CBS. Ken Palm line, Iowa State minus four. Number 20, Texas Tech at number 11, Oklahoma, two Eastern ESPN plus. Sooners by four, Texas at 21, BYU. Two Eastern ESPN, two BYU minus eight. Hmm. TCU at number 15, Baylor, four Eastern on ESPN, two Bears minus six. Andy, these matchups are super intriguing to me. What do you like the most? Uh, it's a five way tie. <laughs> no, I, I had a hard time picking. I, I think I'm going to go with Kansas at Iowa State. Uh, hmm. Iowa State just comes off a victory over uh, Jerome Tang and the Wildcats, a, a tough, hard fought game for them. Now they host uh, the Jayhawks. I think this is a really important game for both teams for Iowa State to continue to establish that they are a, a legitimate player in the Big 12. They've, they've played very well as of late. Uh, I think they need to continue that streak for Kansas. Obviously, they've struggled on the road uh, against teams significantly worse than Iowa State in the Big 12, and they have to prove that they can win away from Fog Allen Fieldhouse. And I think this is a huge game for both teams, uh, a really important one regardless of the result. A lot of these games, I think, have have a pretty strong impact. Uh, Texas yeah. at BYU stands out as well as like a this is a big game for both teams. But uh, I think I'm if I'm picking one, I'm going with Kansas at Iowa State. Well, and what's so interesting about that to me is those two teams are tied at four and two with two other uh, Big 12 teams. So there's a lot of uh, similarity there. I'm going to go Texas Tech at Oklahoma. Texas Tech still sitting atop the conference by a half game over those teams. And Oklahoma still kind of trying to prove themselves after that hot undefeated start to the season. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting at three and three. A win over uh, Texas Tech would go a long way and muddy up the top of the top of the conference, which we love so much. Andy, let's flip to the SEC. Three games, same thing. I want you to choose what stands out to you. Number eight, Auburn coming off their first conference loss, travels down to Starkville to play Miss, or travels over, I guess I should say, to Starkville <laughs> to play Mississippi State. 3.30 Eastern on SEC Network, Auburn minus four. Kentucky trying to get back up after losing at uh, Ole Miss earlier in the week. They travel to Arkansas, six Eastern on ESPN. Yeah, South Carolina, not Ole Miss. But gotcha. Oh my gosh. Yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, I had the Mississippi on the brain there. Thank you. Ole Miss. Good, good. Oh my gosh. South Carolina, uh, six Eastern ESPN, Kentucky minus seven. And then Ole Miss. At Texas A&M, sure? 30 Eastern on SEC Network. I'm pretty sure those are the two, right? No, I'm definitely sure. <laughs> A&M minus six. Andy, really intriguing. Obviously, there's other SEC games, but these mm-hmm. three stick out. Which of those three are you looking at? 
Yeah, it's got to be Auburn at Mississippi State. I know Mississippi State's only two and four in conference play. They're kind of outside of that. Uh, the conference is really bunched up. I was lo- looking at it earlier. I think there's a, a two-game separation between first place and 10th place in the SEC right now, but Mississippi State is in 11th because they are behind yeah. all of those other teams. But I, I, they're a really good team. I think they maybe feel like Auburn's a bit susceptible, a little bit vulnerable right now. Uh, for Auburn in particular, if they go out and do what they've done to most of the teams they've played in the SEC and go on the road and get a 15, 20 point victory over Mississippi State, I think that'll certainly kind of quell some of the concern that many people have started to to feel about this team uh, with the lack of quad one game. So I think this is a big game for both teams yeah. for Mississippi State. You dropped two and five in the conference play. Like it's just you, you're kind of feeling like you have a really long hill to climb after that. Yeah, that's no bueno. While Ole Miss at AM has some interesting bubble implications mm-hmm. for me, we're not ready to do that. February mm-hmm. 1st, Andy, we're diving into it. The one that yeah. really is interesting to me is Kentucky traveling to Fayetteville because mm-hmm. we know that Bud Walton Arena has had some magic this year. They knocked off Duke and they've been like essentially terrible since. But mm-hmm. Kentucky, we've seen two uh, performances of very different results since mm-hmm. Visich has gotten eligible. So, really curious to see what Coach Cal's team can do to get back off the mat. Andy, How about the ACC? We've got number three, North Carolina at FSU, two Eastern on ESPN, Carolina minus eight, and Clemson at number 12, Duke, four Eastern on ESPN, Duke minus seven. This comes a Saturday before the first uh, Duke, North Carolina game of the season. But man, the the top of the ACC is North Carolina and everyone else, but Mm -hmm. FSU can bring them back to the pack. What, what do you like between these two games? Yeah, I don't, these are some intriguing games. I, I do think that the favorites here are going to win. I think Carolina and Duke are going to win, and they're going to have a, an epic battle next week. Uh, but it's neither of these are super easy games. Clemson has been oh. incredibly inconsistent coming into conference play. We talked uh, early in, in the start of the conference play, like, oh, let's see if they are going to do that thing they always do where they struggle once they get into the ACC. And unfortunately, that has been the case. But this is an intr- incredible opportunity for them to kind of right the ship and pick up a huge victory at Cameron, where Duke, of course, just lost to Pitt. So they're wanting to make sure they save face and protect their home court. Uh, North Carolina has played such good basketball as of late. It's kind of hard to imagine them losing to Florida State, who's been not very good for the majority of the season, but they've played a lot better as of late. And any road game in conference play is tough. So I think that one definitely has a little bit more intrigue than maybe people might, might expect. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State at the very least keeps this thing really close all the way throughout, but uh, two games where I do expect the favorite to win, but I don't think it's going to be super easy for either of them. Let me fly through quickly. A couple other games we wanted to note. Indiana is at Illinois three Eastern on Fox, Illinois minus 15 at Ken Palm, some big East intrigue Seton hall trying to stick up there with those top teams is at Marquette big opportunity for the pirates to claim a win one Eastern on FS one Marquette minus eight. And Andy, it's cruel to have to mention this, but we must UCLA at USC, 8 Eastern on ESPN2. It's the LA futility game. Uh, Trojans minus six at Ken Palm. And then just two games we want to mention on Sunday. North Texas at number 22 FAU, 1 Eastern on ESPN2. The line is FAU minus seven in the AAC. We know it's kind of FAU in Memphis, but Mm -hmm. can North Texas hang in there near the top of the conference? Speaking of which, Number 19, Memphis travels to UAB. That one is 5 Eastern on ESPN. Memphis minus 5. Andy, should be a great weekend. Should be a great weekend indeed. We are very excited about this. We're coming back next week, like we said, with some bubble watch stuff as well as we get closer and closer to Mark. That is going to wrap it up. 
for us today and this week here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. I want to thank all of you who have made this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Remind you to join us in our Discord channel if you have not done so yet. It is free, and we will be talking about all of these matchups and every other matchup going on on that Discord channel throughout the weekend. So join us there and come hang out with us. Uh, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats. Lots of them in action this weekend. And until Monday, peace out.